What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Passionate DJ Podcast. I'm your host, David Michael. I'm here with the whole crew, Tony, Tripp, and Mo. How you doing, fellas? What up? Good to see you from across the interwebs. We have a... Wu-Tang, yo. <laughs> rocking the, the Wu-Tang face masks, which doesn't sound ideal for the podcast, but looks pretty dope. Yeah, because we all know that COVID is temporary. But Wu Tang is forever. Wu Tang is forever. Yeah, and uh, like to give a shout out to. Oh, see, my damn mask won't. My phone won't unlock with this damn mask. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's awesome. Denise Grubb. Yeah, Denise Grubb, uh, sp- spouse of one of our listeners, Donnie Grubb. She's the one that hooked these up. So shout out, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks. Wu-Tang. These are awesome. Thank you. Oh yeah. Thank you very much. And we have a special, uh, I can say, a special returning guest now, uh, BitFlip, also known as Mark Nagel. Mark, welcome back to the Passionate DJ Podcast, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Dude, stoked, excited. The last time was so much fun. It, yeah. it really was, man. Ep- episode 200, I think we, we kept on chatting and recording for like, I don't know, two or three hours at least after that that ended just because everybody wanted to hang out and yeah it was it was a lot of fun and um i, I was really glad that you were able to participate and I, I felt bad that it took you so long to, it took us so long to get you on the show and so the one of the first things we did is you know is, hey reach out to mark make sure he replies to that email we want to get him back on the show immediately and give you like a proper episode so uh yeah it's great to have you man yeah, um, stoked to be doing it. Maybe you can remind our audience just a little bit about uh, who Bitflip is and what he does as a DJ, producer, um, artist, whatever you call yourself. Yeah, for sure. So I am Bitflip. Ta-da. I'm right here. <laughs> um, I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio. I've been DJing for uh, about a little over 15 years now. Uh, mainly spin breaks and garage and house. Um, run Freshlist thing. So, so we do a um, we do a monthly down here in Cincy, and it's been going for since 2014, five years, and then coming up on six in September. Um, so, that's just a little about me. Now, we've correct ta- me if I'm wrong, but uh, you. So now at six years, uh, you're probably the longest running consecutive years, uh, like weekly or or uh, frequent uh, show, correct? Uh, yeah, I guess so. I mean, like, I I just kind of keep on doing my thing, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I was, like, good. I was just going to say, cause, I mean, like, Jason and I, we've had those boat parties for, like, you know, since 2001 or two or something like that. But, right. Uh, but, I mean, we were consecutive for a long time, but then we, we've taken a lot of breaks in the last 10 years. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you guys have been uh, grinding hard on, on the fresh list thing for a long time. I the, the time I got to come down and play with you guys, I mean, you guys just. It, it's not just a uh, a weekly or a monthly or any. It, it's not it, it's not just a bunch of people coming together and uh, throwing some music down. I mean, you guys put a, a whole lot of thought into it. It's not just about the artists or the DJs, but it's also you know local visual artists too, right? Like yeah. painters and uh, and draw you know drawings and and things like that. Right. Yeah. So we have it, it's like the whole concept is really like the fusion of electronic music culture dancing, you know, express, self-expression and local and regional art. So, 
um, our art director, Logan Walden, he was, you know, me and him got together at the beginning of it. And that was like an instrumental part is that like we stayed true to that original concept too. So, you know, every time we do have a show, we feature somebody, we give them a gallery space, we give them an opportunity to sell what they have as well. So they just, you know, take that home and it, it, it's, a, it's a good outlet to some people that they might not get to show to as well. So, Logan is such a good artist. He yeah, is, he is. He is yeah. so sick. Yeah, I've actually bought a couple pieces for him. Uh, one uh, sits in the living room, one's up in the bedroom. Yeah, he's, he's got a really sick vision. Yeah. Yeah, I have a like massive painting on it's it's like it's actually on a door, <laughs> but it, it is huge. It's in my basement. Love it. My That's my awesome. wife got it for me for uh, my birthday a few years back. But does, yeah, it was so sick. Does Freshlist have a particular style or genre that it kind of centers around uh, musically? Um. So initially, like when when Freshlist first kind of came to be, it was like no rules anything goes you know just good dance music and it's kind of evolved over time into more of like house breaks uh drum and bass not like i i guess there's there's still not limits um but it's like kind of nestled in there um you know we have techno come through as well we have you know people play other things but Predominantly, it's kind of like not like a pretentious underground focus, but a little bit more underground focus. You know? Sure. So you're not like you don't have like certain limits. Like this isn't underground enough. We're not going to book you, but but maybe you aim yeah. that direction. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's not like you know. It's not like nose up in the air type <laughs> pretentious feeling. And and I guess like that's the whole thing is like. You want to cut when 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 you come to Freshlist, we want you to feel like as soon as you get there, like your energy level and just you know happiness in general just goes up. You know, like you're welcomed, you're there to just dance and chill and have a good time. You know, no drama, and it's it's and it's been that way, and that's that's the the good part about it is we've like stayed consistent with that like just good vibes, good time, always going to be reliably good music and good entertainment do you let people pick trance though um <laughs> i'm just gonna say <laughs> that the infinite sunrise is coming no <laughs> yes Th does that mean you're gonna book me that's my dj name <laughs> i know trance dj name you're in dude no i you know truthfully we haven't had anybody play trance uh you just know, make sure you get extra security if you do yeah. Oh, Mo, you'll be down, dog. <laughs> yes. Got to get my medium shirt ready. That's right. Yep. Oh, we got you. We'll get you a. We'll get you a fresh list, fresh medium. Ready to go, man. <laughs> yeah, man. Is that all one word? Fresh medium. Give me a fresh, fresh medium. medium. <laughs> um, with Bitflip as a DJ, you mentioned breaks and uh, was it drum and bass and house? Uh, your breaks, yeah, I mean, like, Breaks Garage. Garage. House, mainly, yeah. yeah. Um, and, I mean, I, I do play drum and bass, too, just not very often. Okay. <laughs> so we I, we talked a little bit on the phone the other day, uh, just privately, about, like, pre-show yeah. stuff. 
And you mentioned something about, you know, I asked you about breaks because that was kind of the first thing I, I read whenever I look BitFlip up is breaks and this and this and breaks and this and this. Um, so I assume there's some kind of history there. But you said lately you've been doing a lot of house. Is there a reason for that shift or is that's just what you're feeling lately or what what's that about? Yeah, so, I mean, really, I beyond, like, genre limitations or whatever, I just play music that I just really believe in and like um and you know like it, it was funny like i play a lot of like funkier like new disco stuff and stuff mm. like that at home like disco vibe house is like a, i love that it's just like feel good music um i really enjoy that a lot but like i started when i first started djing i was trying to figure out like hey what do i want to play I knew it was actually Afterlife was the, the first party I went to in Columbus, and um, Trip probably probably knows that one pretty well. Oh yeah, I played that one. Yeah, I still actually have the fly my the like yeah. uh, that was not to cut you off, but that was a really cool party because the promoter uh, for the flyer did a bunch of um, uh, passport photos or passport like these like. Uh, crazy looking like passports for like crossing the river sticks or something crazy like it was it, it was it was actually a really cool concept so i like yeah i still have the digital file for that it was, was that really the john hennessy party john hennessy and what's his name matt white yeah matt white yeah, uh gsp I, yeah yeah gsp yeah. that's right yeah yeah, yeah i have yeah, that yeah. flyer too dude that's that, right that when was, i first came back from florida it, it was one of the sickest flyers i've seen to this date too i 100 agree and it, it like if i remember correctly it like folded out like yep. multiple like <laughs> it was like a passport book yeah, yeah. it, it yeah. was sick it was so sick but um yeah so basically like origin story is went to that party and at that at, at that point in time i was like i want to be a dj this is incredible this is like the coolest thing i've ever seen in my life and, um, you know, like I, at that point, I didn't really know a whole lot about electronic music. I mean, I, I, I didn't like understand the, the scene, I guess I knew, I knew music, I knew electronic music a little bit, like Paul Oakenfold and like trance and earlier 2000s garage stuff, like artful Dodger and listened to a lot of like ministry of sound mixes from that period of time. And just like a lot of um like a lot of florida breaks i listened to like a lot of baby ann and icy and all that and um so yeah when i first started djing i was like trying to figure out what i wanted to play and cincinnati was like really saturated with drum and bass djs at the time and i loved drum and bass at the time and i was like yeah yeah, yeah i'm gonna play drum and bass this is gonna be so dope and um my friend he was like hey why don't you why don't you try out breaks like i think you'll really like breaks so I was DJing on vinyl. I didn't have like infinite money or, you know, pirated downloads to <laughs> insatiate my <laughs> DJ skills. Uh, so like, you know, I started buying breaks records and I like really enjoyed playing breaks. Um, so that's kind of like how I got into it. And uh, like originally actually Heather Garver beat poet from mm. Cincinnati. Like I, I saw her play a show one time and she was playing like, kind of like funkier breaks. I was just like, what? This is so sick. You know, like house with a lot of like funky guitar riffs and like kind of walking bass, bass lines and things like that. And um, yeah, so got into playing breaks then. 
and just kind of over time, you know, acquired different taste, you know, um, I've, I was always into house. I played breaks and house when I played breaks way back in the day too. About um, what period of time, about what, what year ish are you talking that you were getting into DJing? Uh, like 2005, 2004. Okay. So we, so like, we have a very similar story and timeline, you and I, Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. pretty cool. Um, yeah, it, so you, you, most of your, your breaks influence is more, um, uh, us domestic Florida breaks and stuff like that rather than like the, the UK stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I like the UK style too. Um, but it was mainly like initially that's what it was. Yeah. So it was like a lot of Florida breaks, like electro breaks, um, you know, Jackal and Hyde, stuff like that. So, so it's, I want to go back to what you were saying about, uh, first getting into the scene in the mid two thousands, um, getting into it from the, from the perspective of, of music and already being into it from that side, but not really understanding the, the local scene and all that. Um, I can, yeah. I can definitely relate to that, that I, I discovered the music way before, I uh, discovered there was a reason for the music. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> yeah. It was like I, I found it on like mp3.com or Napster or somewhere like that and was like, what is what is trance? What is house music? This is awesome stuff. You're, I was calling it all techno, but you, you know what I mean? And it was right. kind of that gateway. And so, yeah, that, that's kind of interesting that I, I've never really heard uh, somebody else on the show, I don't think, say that before, that they were into the music and then were like, oh, there's a there's a scene like I guess I should figure that out um what yeah was it something that you like you kind of came in uh, pretty early and wanted to DJ so did you start reaching out to promoters and stuff like that or did you just start kind of going to shows and getting familiar with what it was first Trip and Jason were doing a lot of shows back in the day and a lot of people at the like the milk bar in Cincinnati this crazy little underground spot um I would just go to shows and like Hawkeye, the DJ, and just like, I was the dude like standing up there like, hey, what, what, are, you, what are you doing? <laughs> like, what, what's going on up there? What do you, what, what are you, why are you doing what you're doing and trying to like reverse engineer what is going on? Um, so, you know, the, the funny part was like in the, in the earlier stages of like discovering the music before discovering the scene, um, I actually like there's a guy at the old like circuit city around my house. It was in the stereo department and I was like in high school, like looking at like hi-fi equipment or whatever, car stereos or whatever it was. And uh, the guy at circuit city hipped me to ministry of sound. And oh, I wow. was like, I was like, Oh, this is so cool. Like I didn't realize this existed, you know, this, like this whole UK sound. And it was like that really like it was artful Dodger. It was like just funky garage and two step um, that I, I just I like fell in love with it at the time. I think that was in like 2000 or 2002 or something like that. Um, when did you move into uh, promoting shows in Cincinnati? Was that with Freshlist? Was that kind of your first uh, foray into that or did you have some some precursors? Yeah. Yeah, I, I never really like put my name behind an event series or anything like that. I would always frequent tons of people's events, um, always very active in the scene, but never really in a way of like, hey, I'm going to I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to throw this show. I would help people out with stuff all the time, like just kind of behind the scenes because I like technology 
you know, I like setting up speakers and I like people having a good time. So, um, always helped out with like a ton of the house parties and stuff around here, things like that, but never really like fully put myself into it before fresh list. I mean, you're definitely a hardware junkie. So uh, what do you got in the room there and what, what do you use it for? <laughs> uh, oh God, this could be like, this is like an endless can of worms. Um, so those two things, whoop, um, new speaker system, void acoustics, um, picked those up recently uh, with the intention of, you know, doing sound rentals and, and all that kind of fun stuff. Thanks, Corona, <laughs> son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that got shot down, but hey, now I have them in my house. So it's like, I have some beautiful speakers to listen to uh, and they are uh, amazing. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I have like a lot of the standard Pioneer gear uh, so CDJ 2000, Nexus 2s, and the Nexus 2 900 mixer. Um, got a lot of, like, the. I think on the last show I mentioned the Pioneer FX unit and the, the SP16 um, machine. I really dig machine for, for production. I just have a lot of fun on, like, pad-based systems like that. Which machine um, model is it? And I, I think you have uh, – so I have the Jam and I have the Studio. Oh, cool. How do you like the jam? I've always thought that was interesting. I, I kind of wanted one, but I never knew if I actually needed it and if it would be a toy or not. You know what I mean? Well, here it is. The jam. Sweet. No, I, I honestly, I really like it. Um, I think it's an auxiliary controller type of thing. I mean, it, it it's nice to have like a different view right next to the machine studio. It's cool. And, and the machine studio is actually Firecats. I'm just, you know, commenting oh, okay. it for the time being. <laughs> <laughs> so do you do you incorporate that stuff into your DJ sets or is this strictly production stuff like studio time? Uh it's pretty much production only. I you know, I was I've been working with um with John Blaze a little bit. We were do we we were slated to do a show with RJD2 and um, we were going to try to do kind of like a live turntablism and like live production sort of thing. Um, so we got like some beats together nice. on machine and we were going to just play like kind of just like ad lib and like drop parts in and out to create the track. Um, but have kind of like a somewhat of a predestined idea and then play on top of it sort of thing and then scratch on top of it and all that good stuff. Nice, nice. So is that where, I see you have like an outboard mixer of some kind there with a, a bunch of channels. Is that where something like that would come in? Um, actually, that is for, um, that's an Allen Heath Q16. It's like a 16 channel mixer, but it, really I use that for fresh list. So okay. I've been, like, yeah, I've been getting more into like live sound type stuff, but um, actually what we were going to do for, for the RJD2 setup is we were going to have, you know, his tractor Z2, um, and then my 900 Nexus 2, and that had enough IO to, to hmm. keep us happy. I, I want to talk a little bit about Cincinnati because, uh, I, I often talk on this show from the perspective of Dayton and it's, it's uniquely positioned like geographically right where it it almost 
I don't know if the word is depends, but I'll, for lack of a better term, depends on the strength of the scene in Cincinnati, Columbus, and other kind of surrounding areas, just because it's like smack in the middle of a bunch of them. Um, I, I know a lot of s- smaller cities probably feel that way. I wonder what what's it like in Cincinnati? Like, do you feel like it's pretty much its own ecosystem? Is that, do I only feel that way because I'm in Dayton and Cincinnati's bigger than us? Or do you feel like Cincinnati kind of depends on the synergy of Dayton or Louisville or, or wherever? I mean, if I had to say like, if my, my feeling right now is that it's more of its own ecosystem, but my feeling, if you would have asked me the same question, like five six years ago, I'd be like, well, very dependent upon everyone else. So, Hmm. I mean, it, it it ebbs and flows, you know, but it's always ebbed and flowed. Um, at least as long as I can remember, you know, I've been, uh, in raving in, uh, this area since, uh, 1997, 98, something like that. Um, and even once I started DJing in 99, like, I mean, I, I can remember it was nothing to, you know, start in Cincinnati and then go to Columbus, stop in Dayton, head out to Indy. Like there was a, there, there was, there was this like grander umbrella that was like our Midwestern kind of tribe tri-state area, um, of a scene. But the crazy part was, is then as those things kind of got bigger and then, you know, 2003, 2004, everything started taking a dive and then everything was just dead till like 2008, 2009. And then dubstep started coming, coming up. And then we did see some of that synergy or those like, you know, those uh, relationships starting to kind of fire back up and crews were kind of starting to work together and DJs were trading back and forth. And um, so, yeah, it, it, exact same thing that I saw it, or that I would have, I would have said the same thing, you know, five, five to 10 years ago. Um, yeah. I mean, Cincinnati, Dayton, even parts of Columbus or, you know, some relationships that we have with Columbus, it was all a, a, a synergy, you know, everybody was kind of codependent and, you know, uh, rising tides lifts all boats type of thing. But, um, I'd say definitely in the last three to five years, uh, you've seen everybody kind of taking a step back. Um, and, and especially I've heard, I, I mean, I haven't played in Cincinnati that much, but I have heard that, um, that Cincinnati especially has become more of its own silo, you know, whereas uh, you might get people coming from other places into Cincinnati, but not so much Cincinnati coming back out. You know, I mean, there's always your old school heads that, you know, will, will show up to Dayton parties or Louisville parties and things like that. But uh, especially the newer kids that are coming in, they're, they're pretty much staying in Cincinnati from what I understand, or at least from what I've been told. Is that true? Um, I mean, I would say so. The, I, I, I think more than anything, just like the Cincinnati scene has picked up to a point where like it can self-sustain. And there's not that there's like no reason to go elsewhere, because there's certainly people that do like travel around still. Um, so, I mean, I wouldn't say that that concept is like completely gone. But I, and this might just be like my my take on it. But there's like there's a lot of new like jobs in the city, a lot of transplants, a lot of people from other places that like are used to having a nightlife. So there's by the demand of, for more nightlife, more nightlife is being hmm. created, whether that's, right. you know, whether that's like our electronic DJ scene or 
little like boutique bars or whatever bougie shit popping up everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's, but it's, I mean, it's, it's good for the, the local economy and people like, you know, people like support it and, and actually go out. So um, there's like just a lot of new, like young professional people or whoever people going to school, looking for a job, whatever. So do you find that because um, one of the biggest problems that Jason and I always had was trying to find places that were kind of welcoming. Now, of course, that ebbed and flowed as well, you know, with the reputation of the rave scene and stuff like that. Um, but it, so uh, COVID-19 and all the lockdown stuff aside, but um, are you finding for fresh list? Because you're not you don't always doing it in the same place, are you like you've, you've moved around a bit? Well, like we've moved around. So we've had like really like three homes. Uh, we've okay. had Chameleon, which we were at, which um, you and I played that set there. Such a good time. Which I still get tons I, of like <laughs> people tell me how much they love that set still to this day. Where can I get a copy it, of that? It's on SoundCloud, bro. <laughs> keep listening. <laughs> that was, that set was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it was awesome. Um, so that, that was like first home base. Uh, then we went to Top Cats, and now we were at Oddfellows last. So um, Mike Mike Donovan came down to play the the last one. Actually, the last one before we had to shut down. Um, and dude, it was so crazy. Like at that show, it was right before all the COVID shit started, and I got the flu. Will got the flu. Mm. Blaze got the flu. Like mass people got the fucking flu. I was like, dude, we should have just called it flu list. Like it was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was crazy though. Like for real, it was like, but it was like everybody in this little, like this little basement at Oddfellows. And like, I, I mean, I, I'm, it, it's got like a, a black light room in the basement. And, you know, I'm not like the biggest fan of like black light, everything, whatever, but it's got such a good vibe. So like four, four C18s in there and some quality sound and the tables, like the CDJs are like shaking off the table, you know, (laughs) (laughs) it was so good. So good. But I love that place. I love that place. And top cats was always good to us. Um, Chameleon was always good to us. It was just kind of like, at some point you're, you're just kind of like ready to, change it up a little bit for the for the guests and uh and just kind of create a new experience so but yeah every, i mean everybody's played nice though that's that's the the real deal is that like when you go into a venue and you're like hey i want to take all your shit and move it where it's not right now we're gonna put everything somewhere else are you cool with that most people are like no you suck don't know <laughs> <laughs> but luckily you know like we have a good following and bring people into the bar that are looking to have a good time and not start shit and just vibe out. And, uh, everybody's been, you know, it's been really good. Every, every bar we've worked with has been great. I wonder if, um, I think I want to ask Tony and trip specifically, like what about the days in, uh, locally, that kind of predate me and Mark's involvement in the scene. So I'm talking about since you guys were, were kind of playing and promoting shows during the, the rave era, um, the impression that I have as somebody who, who arrived to the party late, so to speak, is that it was very, very codependent. And 
very integrated with each other as far as the the cities but my impression of that comes from talking to to people who were involved who might have rose tinted glasses and also looking at old flyers that have people from all over the region you know 50 names from everywhere so that that's the impression that i get is that true or is is that just the impression that i'm getting from looking at that stuff that was um always my impression of it was that it was um i don't know if codependent was the right word but um um but we were definitely all very intermingled like i can remember there were like uh, meetings and basements in, uh, in Cincinnati and, and, you know, people would get together and, 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 um, you know, from all different cities and different crews and all of that stuff. And, and actually like, you know, make the effort to coordinate things with each other and say, okay, these are the dates we're looking at. These are the headliners we're looking at and stuff like that. And trading DJs often, you know, from one crew to another, um, and, and passing out flyers from everybody else's parties and stuff. There was so, also, there was a lot more that went into a rave than there is a, a club show as well. Yeah, know? that's true. When you're happening, you're, you're talking about getting a warehouse, um, that would hold, thousand two thousand people because that's how many people typically would show up every weekend to every show um and it just it wasn't that easy and you had to hide it from everybody you had to be super low-key about it except you know there was so much more that went into it as to where everybody's got four or five clubs in their city you know but now that it's going to clubs it's obviously it's um you can be a little more dependent on your own city i guess Mm. you know Right. Yeah. It, that, that's, I, I would say that's a, a really great point because I mean, if you've got all of these self-sustaining um, venues that already have, I call them you know, plug and ins- plays. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, you, they've already got the insurance. They've already got a bar. They've got, they've literally got everything you need. Mm-hmm. The, the biggest thing you have to iron out at that point is who gets the door and what cut of the bar do you get? If anything, you know, it's, it, and to Mark's point, it all just kind of depends on, you know, how open they are to an outsider coming in and how, how desperate they are for heads to drink, you know? I mean, so that if you, if you, if you break down a festival on any scale, it's, it's just a glorified rave. Excuse me while True. my voice cracks, but you know what I mean? It's a, uh, um, it is. It's you have your venue, you have your lighting, you have your audio. You have to set up the room. You have to set up the way you want your your entry and your exits and all that. You know, it's a it's a it's a blank canvas that you have to go in and create. So it's kind of like a festival, a rave is. You know, as to where, again, a club. I don't want to say it's plug and play. Like not what Mark does. They decorate the room. They do all kinds of different stuff. But you know, you still have your your liquor. You have all that stuff. So all you really have to do is handle the entertainment side. So I got a question for you guys then. So as it, we're talking about, you know, the plug and player, you know, you have a pre-established facility where you don't have to worry about the cop showing up and shutting you down. Um, what do you guys feel like? What, what was one of the causes to stop some of that um, regional reach, I, I guess, I guess. And what I mean by that is like how you get uh, back in the day, you would have like regional acts that would travel like some amount of distance versus, you know, 45 minutes, like you'd have uh, DJs and artists come in from other states. Like, do you know, in your opinion, like what is it that caused that to kind of stop? Six words. Rave Act, National Guard, Police State. 
(laughs) I mean, I mean, I'm not even, I'm not even kidding. Like I can, I can recall at least half a dozen uh, rave parties that I was either at or that friends of mine were playing at or attending where literally people in fatigues are coming in and, you know, either arresting or detaining or busting up parties, you know, in fatigues, like, like, you know, these are people coming in and, and, and shutting down these parties, you know, people who are literally blinking with glitter and fairy wings and pacifiers in their mouths, but yet they're getting weapons pulled on them. You know what I mean? Like, so, you know, once all of that stuff started getting shut down, then, you know, the, the next obvious thing you would think would be that it went further underground, but all it really did is it just, it, it really killed the scene. So whatever was left did go to whatever clubs were um, friendly to that, that sort of sound and that, and that scene. But mm. I can remember for at least a good four or five years, if you got 50 people to show up to something, you were doing good. Yeah, so. it killed the. I mean, just like Donnie said, you know, back when he was talking about Carl Cox for $10, that was in Columbus. When I came back to Ohio in 05, I went to the red zone to see Carl Cox and I literally stood right next to him DJing on the floor because there, I don't even think there was 200 people there. You know, the, the scene had really took a big, big, big crash when it moved into the clubs and, and a lot of people have, uh, again, they have clubs in their own cities that, they can just go to their their club, you know, and everything can kind of oh, became the top forty. So instead of traveling, it's just easier just to stay close to home and not have to worry about all the ism that comes with travel. Mm-hmm. Mark, uh, when it comes to fresh list, how do you how do you go about choosing a a lineup for a show? Like, what's your criteria? What do you care about? Yeah, I mean. So initially it was, it was about like exposing new artists and new music and, and just people who I think are passionate about what they do and put a lot of energy into their performance. Um, and just, I mean, there's, there's a certain threshold of like caring. Some people I feel like when, when they play or when, when they're doing stuff, maybe it's like a popularity contest or maybe it's a whatever, you know, um, I'm going for like, the the true head for the lack of a better word i guess um people who just really care about the craft care about the experience they're creating for people um and then you know show by show it's different kind of like select kind of a vibe for the night and then kind of narrow down out of the the pot of who fits that vibe the best and then creating a flow for the night so that you know you don't have like banging craziness at nine o'clock you know it's 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 kind of like it's kind of like a a ramp up and then either just like straight up and out or like a ramp up and a gentle down slope at the end um so i mean it it really just kind of depends on on what the vibe of the night is we don't do like necessarily like themes you know like yeah we're not gonna we don't you know cater the music to the theme necessarily like that but um so you don't do pajama jammy jams <laughs> we don't do pajama jammy jams sorry jason damn no uh we, we yeah i mean we we do like fun shit but it's not necessarily like thematic um we do like like our halloween shows always obviously like a big costume party and it's just it's a blast we always try to create like some props and stuff for that um 
mean, well, yeah, that's, that's one thing I wanted to ask about. Like you, uh, you were telling me on the phone the other day, like, oh yeah, I work with Will and he does this and I work with so-and-so and so-and-so and the, the list started getting to like 15 people or something. And I was like, holy <laughs> shit. I like, I didn't realize so many people are involved. I mean, what, what are all these people yeah. doing? Yeah. So, uh, so there's a lot of people involved. Um, I think it's like nine or 10 of us at this point. Um, but we, we all are either DJing, helping set up, helping tear down props. A lot of props are like LED based. So okay. like these LED strips and controllers and stuff like that. Um, I'm an electronics nerd. So that, that just kind of comes with the territory. Um, but yeah, I mean, every, like Will, Will takes care of our website and a lot of, a lot of that end of stuff. He also obviously DJs, um, Every, basically like everybody is a dj in some capacity sure. even logan <laughs> so um except uh davy our light guy he does he does lighting for us um and then robbie does visuals and we have guests like ben from bunk news comes in does visuals and davy will do visuals too sometimes um so you've kind yeah, of built I mean, a crew the, that the, everybody can kind of handle their their own little island there so that you know the next time you get together you, you've got all those pieces into place and you just keep building on that yeah and i mean we bring in you know everybody's not available every show kind of thing so you know we'll bring in other people to do lighting or other people to do oh, okay. visuals or you know we we always keep like i always do the sound so um basically I'm running sound and, and doing that audio setup um, with Blaze, the freaking muscle. Um, so lugging speakers up and downstairs sucks sometimes, especially when <laughs> especially when it's after flu list and you're bringing up the system. Like, <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> so but, where? Um, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. But yeah, so I mean, yeah, yeah. We I mean we just have everybody helps out and and that's the the main thing. So like. I'll be running the door, for example, a lot of nights, or will be running the door, or my wife, Brittany, will be running the door. It's like nobody is above doing any particular task. Hmm. <laughs> All right. So uh, you got to go way back to the way back when, uh, when you were right, exactly. <laughs> when, uh, when I, I think when you and I first met, or at least when I very first started seeing you DJing, um, you had this amazing helmet. Oh yeah. Like you got, I don't know if you've got like, uh, a picture of it that you could like do a screen share or something, but like, or yeah, if you still yeah, have I, like I, one, I one of them hanging out back there, like, <laughs> um, so, uh, uh, there's not a whole lot of people that, that do that, at least not locally or regionally even. Um, so, uh, some questions around that. There it is. Look at that. Uh, it's amazing. Awesome. There it is. There it is, man. <laughs> Dude, so, yeah, that, so... that looks like, that looks like dead mouse meets like African, uh, Zulu warrior. Yeah, man. I'm telling you <laughs> like... with, with some mystery science theater, 3000 mixed. Yeah. Dude, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm telling you it was great. And then like, you know, you're, you're out there and he's just slamming down these awesome breaks and stuff. And like, I mean, it, it was, it was a good time. So uh, a couple questions behind that one, what was yeah. the inspiration behind it Two, what was it like actually DJing in that helmet and three, why'd you give it up? 
All right. Well, I got answers to every single one of those. So I'm going to, I'm going to stop sharing so I can, I can see all of your beautiful faces again. Um, but so, okay. First question, say it again. <laughs> <laughs> Where'd the inspiration come from? Inspiration. Where'd it come from? It came from my logo. So I had, basically I took my, my DJ logo and made it into a head. It was a robot head already. I'm like, well, I'm going to wear this thing. It's going to be great. Um, so there, there was like, I was on this DJ forum a long time ago, a long time ago called DJ forums. And, uh, there was a guy on there. They, they had like a thread going on like, Oh, Hey, you know, there, there's an art section essentially. And a lot of people did like logos work for people. And I was just like, Hey, you know, um, could somebody make me a logo? You know, uh, let, let, you know, just off the top, let me, let me see what you got. If you guys are willing to do it. It was like the most, you know, like logos are expensive. Like a, a good logo <laughs> is fucking expensive. And I, I'm like, I'm this like little asshole kid. Like, Hey, could somebody make me a logo for free? <laughs> and, uh, you know, but, but somebody did and they came back with, uh, you know, like a couple options, like multiple, people did and um i was just like okay cool i really like this one so it it was the logo in physical form on my head that's amazing <laughs> so yeah, was- so free logo bit flip so it has like that that like techie flair to it and uh you yeah. know robotic whatever and then it actually you know i mean you know a pretty big square i mean that yeah uh, that uh that lends itself to a pretty easy helmet there. So yeah, lo- what was I mean, it actually like DJing in that thing? Oh, it was. It actually wasn't that bad, except for like, because it was wide, right? Like I could reach my hands right. up underneath it and like take my headphones on and off, and I mean I could, oh. I could mess with it like this, and uh, but me- it, it was it wasn't impossible. It was relatively easy, but I you know it's obviously a, a bit limiting. Was it N ninety five certified? <laughs> no, no, it's not. It was not. It had a car grill in uh, in the mouth there, actually. <laughs> nice. So yeah, I mean, it was it was like the most jank ass thing ever, though. Like it looks it looks relatively cool, but um, it was like I'm trying to remember. It was like foam core, electrical tape, foam dowel rods, and then I took a. Uh, I took a construction helmet, like a hard hat, and I cut the top off of it. So it was just like this band, like this plastic <laughs> band. And then I, I'm trying to remember, like I fixed something into the sides that like stuck up from that plastic band and like the suspension in the helmet that went up to the top of the box. So it kind of like, you know, pushed it up off the top of my head. Um, All right, now I got to wedge another question in. How much weight are we talking? <laughs> not much. No, it was no? very light. It was. It was like it was all foam. I mean, it was like foam okay. and and three dowel rods. So okay, so I got I got question two point C. <laughs> 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 how much weed went into that? <laughs> he oh. wants to know the weight. I want to know how much weed went into oh, that man. engineering. <laughs> it was it was ridiculous. It was absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> I'll, I'll 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 put it at a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, okay I, 
I was sitting in my house crafting this thing of like out of out of fucking tape hot glue and a construction helmet. I mean, yes. you know. <laughs> Only somebody who's had to make a smoking device out of toilet paper roll will understand. <laughs> There are probably probably a lot of brownies consumed in the construction of said helmet. <laughs> it was hilarious. Nice. Was so so why why'd you give it up? Okay, so I gave it up not because of my own choice. I gave it up because it broke. And uh it, there was so it was funny. I was I was playing a show on Fountain Square in Cincinnati for like the summer concert series. Yeah. It, it, yeah. it had seen better days already, you know, so it was like on its way out. And, uh, you know, I played with it there and I got like halfway through the show and I'm like, okay, cool. I get like uh, the, the gimmick is over. I'm going to take it off and set it down, whatever. And then the MC for the show came up and grabbed it and put it on his head. And I'm like, oh, fuck, this thing is like on its last leg. It is about to break. He's like jumping all around, going crazy. Oh, and no. it, it's like bounced on his head. And I can just I can see it like like a car with busted ass suspension. It just starts kind of like floating up and down instead of like really following his head. And I'm like, God damn it. This motherfucker just broke my helmet. Damn it, Firecat. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was not Firecat. You said but MC, I just assumed. <laughs> I know. No, I know. I know. He was there, though. He was there for sure. I, you know, I, I might have a picture of that, too. Uh, on Fountain Square with the dude wearing the helmet. So um, I mean, let, it, let me get this straight because he, you said you stopped using it because it broke. So does that mean that you didn't stop using it? It's just been out of order for however many years and you're just waiting to fix it? Like, do you prefer to be using it and it's just broken? Oh, no, I, I totally threw it away. Oh, okay. <laughs> you didn't want a robot 2.0 or something? No, I'll make a sweet new helmet sometime. Maybe okay. I don't know. I mean, it it, it was it, it was really fun. I mean, it it actually came out of one of the boat parties because I think I made it for the boat party. I want nice. bike backlighting on the next one. What's that? Backlighting on the next one. Oh, oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, you know, like in, in today's like uh, rave helmet world, it pales in comparison to everything. Mm. But uh, at the time, it was pretty fucking cool. Well, I mean, I remember like, you know, Daft Punk was obviously the, you know, the big thing, you know, uh, back then. But um, there was somebody more. Re I don't know. I don't know if they were regional or if or if he was more like I don't remember if he was more, uh, you know, national or not. But um, if I remember right, he played at that afterlife show. Um, oh yeah paladin uh, one yes yeah that thing was insane like Dude, yeah the closest thing i've seen since then was um what's that uh the dubstep thing that kj Saka and uh excision and uh it, oh man what it destroyed like mm. those suits are absolutely insane like those things are like thermal cooled and like you know midi buttons all over them and like lasers and uh, but like this dude he looked like a like a cross between a predator and a and a and a halo character like master chief or something like but like he had like a strobe light and i mean he had like a, you know a little like thing on his arm like he had all kinds of stuff it was pretty slick it was uh, uh, he even had cameras yeah uh, hooked up to his and then like those were like wired up to uh the visuals that were behind him and stuff it was it was a pretty insane you know, get up i can tell you that seeing that guy I, I, my mind was like, 
completely blown, completely blown. Um, but yeah, I mean, dude, he had, I, I want to say he had like, he had a laser on his hand that he would like shine out over the crowd like this. And then he had like a, like a fucking spotlight or something that he would yeah. do the same thing with. It was like a green spotlight. Yeah. I'm telling you, like, especially with today's technology, I mean, you know, a 3d printer, you could probably make something pretty, uh, uh, pretty elaborate and still lightweight. Trip, I think there there might be a business opportunity for us here now with with modern technology for us to take some like Raspberry Pis or Arduinos or something like that and and make some crazy ass helmet shit go go down. Right, right, <laughs> right. Yep, you can get some of the uh, you can get some of those vape batteries or whatever that, the, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that this reloop spin takes. Ooh, yeah. Tell me about that thing. So the the reloop spin. Uh, this is one of these like standalone uh, turntables that plays forty fives and has a built in. I don't know if it's got a cross fader or a, a cross switch yeah. or whatever they call it. Um, kind of similar to the new Mark PT zero one. What made you get that? Obviously, you're into turntablism, but that yeah. this is pretty cool, like uh, hyper portable thing going on in DJing right now. That's kind of neat. Yeah. So, like, I remember, um, man, this was like I think back in 2011, my first time in Nam, <laughs> uh, the, the music trade show. You know? <laughs> yeah. um, so, went there, had an awesome time. I was working with. Uh, Elliot Marks of Audio Innovate at the time, and that's the the Innovator fader. Mm. So if you're a scratch DJ, you've probably heard of it, and you know maybe you used it, maybe you haven't. But they they're the shit. They're totally awesome. Um, but the reason I got the spin was uh, actually John Blaze came over my house with it, and I played with it, and I was like, I'm buying one of these. This is incredible. Um, but the reason I got it really over the the new mark was it's it's kind of like the new mark was like the the predecessor in the portable world and took a little bit more doing to get set up. So um, you know, there's like different platters that you could buy for it to account for some mm. you know flimsiness and whatever. Um, and if I'm not mistaken. I think the Reloop spin is actually just a rebranded Vestax Handy Tracks. Okay. Um, and the Handy Tracks was like just a portable turntable, not like necessarily geared towards portableism, like portable turntableism, but like, hey, I'm going to go record shopping or I'm going to go to like a flea market or whatever. And I'm going to have this portable device that I can like check out the quality of a record before I buy it. Um, and, and I never. I never really saw anybody like scratching on a handy tracks because it was just, it wasn't what you did. I don't know. And now there's like a, a whole culture of dudes scratching on mountaintops and whatever. <laughs> um, but I mean, it is, it, it is totally awesome though. I mean, yeah. it, it's like, That's so funny that you said that, but I can't say why until after the show. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, but I mean, so this innovator up here, so it it takes an innovator. It's all good. Um, so it's literally like it, it has a throw to it. Yeah, it's there's. I'll try to get it up in the camera. There's there's actually two faders on it. I have an innovator on it, and I have the original reloop fader down here. Um, this is like a mix fader, and this is like a cut cross fader. So. So how how do you feel about that thing overall? Because I I've I, I've 
dealt with a lot of reloop gear in the past, but it's mostly controllers. So I've always been really impressed with like their build quality and stuff for for where they're at in, in the you know the price bracket. But I've never dealt uh, a whole lot with like their turntables and players and stuff. How, how's it uh, quality wise? Yeah, it's it's great. Um, I would say, I mean, so price point is like two fifty out of the box. It doesn't come with batteries, which kind of sucks. And you basically have to have them, otherwise it's useless. Uh, but the batteries are like under twenty bucks. Um, it does come with like one record that you can. Yeah, it it's somewhat useful. It's okay. Uh, but you know, there's tons of like seven inch scratch records that are really dope. Uh, Turntable training wax has a bunch of them. Um, I can't remember what this one is on here that I have right now. Um, yeah, but that, it, that's what I've got. Actually, Tony's got uh, one of my records over there now. Um, they come from uh, man. What's his? What's the guy's name? Right. That, that fact? No, Richie not Ruff-tone? yeah, Richie Ruffton. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's I mean it's it's just fun. I mean, there's there's certain things that you buy um, because they're like high quality, really nice, you know, top end shit. And there's other things that you buy that are just fun. Yeah. Like some things you just get a lot of joy out of. And this is one of those things that you just, you have a really good time playing with it. It seems like one of those uh, pieces of gear that's like, like this is my beater, right? Like this is the thing that I take places and I don't care if it gets marred up and I don't care because I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to wear it out and then I'm going to get a new one, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, It's, it's, I mean, it's not like, yeah, I, I just I look at this thing differently it, because it, it's designed to be portable. It's designed to just take it and fuck around wherever you are. Um, does it have audio in? Uh, does it have audio outputs at all? Yeah, it does. Okay. Actually, so you could use so, it to to rip forty fives or something like that if you wanted to. You can actually record them directly to a USB drive. Nice. So nice. It, so it's got Bluetooth pairings, so you can run your phone into it wirelessly. Um, it's got like a aux jack on, where's my camera on this side? Probably can't see it, but aux jack nice. there. And then the IO on the other side, I think it's a RCA headphone outs and uh, a USB port for just recording, you know, your little scratch session directly to a drive, which why the fuck doesn't every mixer have that? <laughs> just it's, saying. It's getting there. <laughs> I know, I know. I, when I saw on the on the 900 Nexus 2, when I saw they put uh, a USB-A port on it, I was like, oh, finally. I can put a drive in and I can record right to it. How is it to, to mix or to scratch on uh, the, a portable turntable like that uh, considering the placement of the crossfader? I know you've got two positions on there, so you've got some options, but like, I don't know what your level of... of turntableism is but somebody like me who's not good that would be enough to really really mess me up until i got used to it i mean is there a learning curve or does it does it i'm I'm trying to figure out how it feels in the hands i guess yeah i mean it it's something that you get used to i mean the crossfader on your mixer it's it's really center because you can just kind of position it in your lap at that same angle so like the tone arm is super sticky on it too, so you can actually, hmm. like, I could hold it like sideways and scratch. And oh wow! That, and the tone arm doesn't slip at all. It's, I mean, it's it is impressively good. I will say that. Do you think that like if you spend a lot of time 
practicing on something like that where you're using a seven inch platter and uh you know a small crossfader that's placed differently and you're holding the whole unit like does that practice translate when you go to a full setup or is it like you have to learn it twice yeah it's 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 muscle memory more than anything is it it translates from the seven inch disc to a 12 inch disc to a 10 inch i mean i have i have issues just just going from a a regular record to a Serato record. I, um, it, it's weird. Just the digital timing is just that little mm-hmm. split second off. And it's, it throws me off even on a CDJ platter. Yeah. You know, without it moving and, and being the same size as a, as a 12 inch, my hand placement is just, it messes me up. It'd probably take me a good minute to get used to something like that. I, I feel like the CDJ platter, um, has always left something to be desired with scratching. And then I see people like crafty cuts play and I'm like, really? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, how do you do that? Like you're, uh, yeah, it's so good. But yeah, I mean, to me, I'm still like fundamentally in my mind, I'm still like fundamentally learning how to scratch. Cause I kind of, I don't know. I was like cart before the horse. I just started doing all kinds of different weird stuff instead of like perfecting the basics and then building upon that skill set. And if I could go back and do it over again, I would learn how to be the cleanest I could ever baby and then learn how to chirp the cleanest Mm. I could ever chirp and then learn, you know, in succession, these different skills and then learn how to chain them all together. I can teach you in five minutes. I was going to say my, my plan was to just watch Tony and have him teach me all that, but I'm still stuck on the baby scratch part. So <laughs> I promise in five minutes, I taught Chris Morgan in literally like five minutes. Yeah. I've been watching yeah, Tony. No, we'll for have to get together years. and do some sessions. Yeah. Do yeah. I? I, I would like in on that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, go ahead and uh, count the dingo in as well. <laughs> the, the, the dingo is in. <laughs> I can't wait for the day, man. Like, I, I've never wanted more to just, like, have both, like, bar tops all cleared off and just filled with everybody's gear and all run into one main mixer and just, hey, everybody, just do whatever you want. Just, just stay here all day and play music. You know, that just that sounds so appealing to me right now. <laughs> Dude, I, I mean, I'll, I'll say this. Like, there's... um. There's a couple different like looper sites. It's just like a beat that loops over and over again, and you can pick whatever beat you want. But um, you know, a bunch of people put stuff out in looper form. But you just you know throw on a looper, and you'll be amazed between two people how long you can listen to the same eight bars <laughs> and just scratch over it and just trade off and like play back and forth and not get bored and then everybody right. else is like why are you just like scratching on fresh over this same tired ass loop <laughs> that's well, how you learn man you feed yeah, off of each other exactly and you know you you get the phrasing down and you understand like hey okay now it's my time to pass off tony and then tony picks up right where i left off and trip picks up next and you know I think I'm coming about to the end of my questions here, but I did want to uh, give you an opportunity to uh, sort of maybe. Hey. Oh, hey, yeah, Tony's got the. Had it on. <laughs> nice, nice, man. I I really do like your guys' logo too. I lo- I love the yeah. way it pops. That green and everything is is awesome. Yeah, thanks, man. Appreciate. Um, it. I, I wonder. I, I, pl- I played the first one, didn't I? Uh, it, it was, was either the first or the second. It was very close to the first one. I think EJ played the first one actually. Um, yeah, Smirk played the first one. You, I think you played number two. Number two, yeah. 
Dude, it was such a oh man. Sorry, memories flooding in. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wonder if you could tell me, and you could approach this from either as you know, Bitflip, the the artist, the DJ, or the promoter, uh, whatever angle you you want to take it. But um, maybe, what is your your primary struggle with that stuff, and then what is your sort of uh, superpower? Like, what are you really good at? Hmm. Well, I guess it, from the promoter side. I am a horrible procrastinator. So <laughs> getting things on the books is like my <laughs> biggest challenge. Okay. Um, I would say my uh, my superpower as Bitflip, the technical nerd, is just figuring out how anything under the sun will work. Mm. And if there is a problem, like troubleshooting, I guess, that's what I'm trying to say. Um, troubleshooting an audio system, that is my jam. Um, it sucks when it's right before the show, but it always happens. So, <laughs> <laughs> or in the middle of the show or like, Hey, I didn't bring a quarter inch to RCA cable. How do I make my thing work? And you're like, ah, I got you. That's why those skills are invaluable, man. You're it, yeah. having somebody like that around when, you know, the, <laughs> the hammer drops or whatever, whatever is like, <laughs> yeah, that's, that can be make or break. And is a, yeah. a, a huge stress reliever for uh, somebody throwing a big show, I'm sure. You and I have chatted a bunch uh, over the years about like different uh, production techniques and gear and things like that. So, um, yeah. uh, where are you at in that world? Are you are you producing? Are you releasing? Are you just tinkering? Any where are you at with all that? Yeah, I, I would I would love to say that I have like 50 tracks ready to go or even one, but I don't. I've been like <laughs> tinkering a lot, um, but I've been more like I've been more focused on like the live sound stuff with these things and um, kind of like the, the more live event part of it. But, you know, not shit happening in that world right now. So <laughs> trying to focus my efforts elsewhere. But m my studio is like, you know, through all of this, I like rearranged my entire house and um, my studio, my production studio became like my home office now. So it's kind of like in flux. So I got my DJ set up here, which is awesome, but I don't really have a production set up. And, uh, and, and I don't know if it's just me, but like standing up and producing music is weird. Hmm. Yep. Same to me personally. So I don't have a chair that I like and a desk and a command center anymore. Gotcha. <laughs> so. Yeah. I, I went through a lot to, to get mine, um, you know, re, uh, you know, um, just get rearranged and, and get everything, you know, in some ergonomic flow that made sense to me. And, uh, then all of this happens and I literally haven't fired up any of this stuff, um, <laughs> for production because I've actually t been trying to take advantage of the extra time to do like, you know, sample sorting and, and music tagging and all of this other crazy yeah. stuff. But, um, but similar to you, like, I mean, yeah, like, yeah, I've got it here, but this has also become my work desk. So like, yeah. I sit here and work for eight hours a day, then, you know, to, to like, just it, switch it off and then switch the, the production, uh, yeah. put the production hat on. It's, it, it's, it's a hard switch. The, the, se the separation is difficult for sure. It's, it's, it's funny, Mark, physical space. 
it's funny, Mark, because the uh, that problem that you're talking about with uh, sitting and standing, I, I feel the same way about like it. It feels weird to sit and DJ, right? So I'm yeah. I'm sure that this is something. I'm surprised we've never talked about this. I'm sure this is something that DJs run into all the time. Like, oh, I don't want my turntables here at my desk, but I don't want my production stuff up here on the table, and so that's why I, I know you haven't been able to to hang out here in studio yet. But just for the YouTube audience, I'll I'll kind of show you. Like that's why I set it up this way, where I've got the DJ booth here up at like counter height and then I've got a desk behind me but then the problem that I ran into was well now my chair is too short or too tall and <laughs> so then I had to order new chairs so I got these these are actually drafting chairs so they come up to to countertop height which is nice and they they go down almost low enough but these armrests whack into the so yeah. I can't I can't tuck in under the desk, so I've almost well, got it licked, but not quite. <laughs> well, you know, I I will tell you one thing real quick before anything else. This is a this is going to be like a lifesaver. I hope I I hope it's as revolutionary for your audience as it was for me. Okay. Anti fatigue mats while you're DJing. Yep. Dude, I, been, oh my god, it's the my best. Oh. And all my CrossFit events where I DJ for like in excess of eight hours, I've been using those for about five years. Those are game changers. Here's mine. Dude, I stole incredible. my wife's yoga mat, and I've been standing on these. Oh, no. Guys. you got to get a legit anti-fatigue yeah. mat, though. Those are What's different about it? Different. Is it like real dense or something? No, it's like gel. Like the one I have is like a gel one. Oh, cool. Yeah. And um, like I said, you, you know, like when I do the CrossFit stuff, like I'm standing up for like eight to ten hours. So like, you know, I'll start off and – you know, I, I won't use it at first, and then as I start to get a little tired, I'll throw it in there. And then, you know, as the day goes even further, like, I'll even take off my shoes and stand on top of it. And it's just like giving your your feet a massage, <laughs> like, while you're up there just dropping tracks after track after track. So yeah, I'm going to have to look changing. into that. that. Dude, it's revolutionary, not going to lie. Yeah, spend some good money on one, dude. Don't buy a shitty one. Yes, yeah, spend the extra money. It, it's it's worth it. Your feet will thank you. Yeah. I bet I it'd be good for the back, too. I have a lot of back and neck issues, so that might help kind of soften that a little bit. Send me yeah, some links. <laughs> yeah, I, w I will. I think it was like 40 bucks or something, yeah. but it was... It I, was I paid about 50 bucks yeah. for mine, but it's, w it's well worth it. Dude, it's, it's incredible. And like, I don't know. I feel so dumb being like, hey, guys, this anti-fatigue mat is the coolest thing about DJing <laughs> that I'm going to talk about. But like for real, not at all, so man. Legit. <laughs> it is so legit. And then uh, I, I really appreciate that suggestion, actually. <laughs> and I got I got one more weird, weird thing that every DJ should buy that does events out where the tables are always too low. Buy a set of bed risers. Look them up. They're like ten bucks. Raise the table up six inches so you're not wrecking your back. It, any folding table easily just throw it up on there boom done. god where were those things 15 <laughs> years ago <laughs> jesus 20 years ago god I know. like all of those tables i remember like there were certain venues where like what we would do is we would like take three or four of the tables and like have one set up and then try to stack multiple ones up but then like you had to like uh, I, I remember one where we had to like ratchet strap like the table 
uh, or the stack of tables to the table because otherwise they were sliding all over the place. It was absolutely rigged. Insane. They've always been perfect height for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've seen a hack for that, that. If you want to get mad ghetto and you have the right kind of table where it's got the straight legs and it's got like the little um, the angle arm that goes like towards the bottom of the, the foot peg is you just get uh, like I think two inch PVC and cut yeah. those mm. and just stack those. Yeah, I've seen that. But luckily, like, uh, with the table I had, well, I'm tall enough, but then I bought, like, a, a piano stand so I can adjust the height of that, and it'll raise mm. and lower um, my old – when I used to use the S4. Uh, but when I got the DDJ-1000, the flight case is big enough to where it gives me about a good freaking eight inches, I think, off the table. So that, that solved that problem. I don't have to carry that piano stand anymore. Man, we should once we can get together again, we should do like a, a DJ life hacks uh, show for, for YouTube or something. Yeah, what, what Mark just saying all that stuff made me think. I just wrote it down to to tell you later. Let's do a nice. DJ hack one hundred and one. Dude, it's it's so necessary. It helps. It, it helps out tremendously for long like for long gigs for the the uh, anti fatigue mat or the bed risers. There's dumb little shit that costs almost no money that makes life like infinitely better. <laughs> Just like Tony's yoga mats for the CDJs, man. That's like a yeah. set of ten dollars solution to a million dollar problem. Yep. Well, Mark, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show today and talking a little bit about your experience with Cincinnati and with Fresh List, and just talking about what it is that you do as a DJ, and even wrapping up with a couple of uh, actionable, helpful items for uh, DJs to use there at the end. That's pretty awesome. Um, yeah. You've been a great addition to the show. We're glad to have you. We'd love to have you come play some music sometime once we can do that. Um, could you maybe share with the audience uh, anything that you'd like to plug? Where can we find you on social media? Do you have any music that you want us to check out? Uh, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, sure. Uh, so all, all my socials are slash DJ Bitflip. So DJ B-I-T-F-L-I-P. And uh, we also have freshlesscincy.com. That's our Freshless website. You can find our merch there. You can find past shows there. Not to be confused with the grocery delivery joint, right? Not to be confused <laughs> with the Charlotte, North Carolina-based grocery delivery farm-to-table thing. With the per we're not the purple carrot. I swear to God, we're not the purple carrot. Um, that's why we're freshless Cincy, actually. But uh, yeah, you can find us on uh, you can find us on Insta as well and and Facebook. Uh, not super active on Twitter. But I think I might have one just to satiate that need, whatever. Um, and you know what? I'm just gonna double check my fresh list on uh, on Insta. But yeah, it's fresh list Cincy. Just saying. And Cincy with an I or Y? Just so yeah, that yeah, <laughs> Cincy with an I. All right, Cincy with an I. Yeah. This this has been an awesome conversation, man. I uh, can't wait to get together and do it in person. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show today. Yeah, definitely. Thanks a lot, guys. Good Thanks, to see Mark. you. Mark. Yeah, see thanks, all your faces. And thank, thank you all so much for listening to the Passionate DJ Podcast and keep on spinning. Easy. Later. Later.